Welcome to Crying Out Cloud, the podcast that will make you laugh, cry, and reconsider all of your cloud security fears. I'm Eden from the CTO office at Wiz, and I'm here with my co-host, Amitai. Hello. Who is a threat research lead at Wiz, and we're here to keep you up to date on the latest news and trends in cloud security. Are you ready? I'm ready. What are our five stories for today, Amitai? So our first story that I thought might be interesting uh, is something we've been working on for a while, and we published last week, uh, which is about suspicious threat actors who have been redirecting people at random to other websites, adult websites, mainly in East Asia. Which is our super naughty story for today. Possibly the naughtiest story of the month. Yeah, or the year, really. This one's mm -hmm. naughty. And our second story? Our second story is about hackers making fake Google ads that are redirecting people to uh, fake AWS consoles uh, in order to steal their credentials. Which is really a beautiful, true form of capitalism. Very late stage, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and third story? Our third story is about ClamAV, Clam Antivirus, which is bugging out. Is it bugging or uh, clamming? That, that is a candidate for our dad joke of the month, possibly of the year. I'll consider Wonderful. it and I'll add it to our tally. <laughs> and next? And our fourth story is about uh, how our friends in the gaming world uh, have been targeted uh, by hackers. Can I make a bad Minecraft joke? You can try. Did the creepers get in? Uh-huh. That, that is a Minecraft reference for Thank anybody you. listening. I don't play Minecraft, but I know that that's what happens. Me too. And uh, our fifth story for the day. Uh, our fifth story, our last story, is about uh, how background check forms uh, belonging to the US uh, DOD uh, were publicly exposed uh, for a few weeks. It's really real fortunate that those are not sensitive in any way, shape, or form. None. Yeah. No shape. Wonderful. Let's jump into it. We'll start with uh, arguably the craziest story, which is the redirection roulette story, which I'm going to paint the picture for everyone. Suppose you go to visit your favorite website, and you're redirected to another website, which offers you to gamble and to see naked people. Against your um, wishes. Yeah, you didn't choose to go to that website. Um, you were just at work and yeah. So you might be incredibly freaked out, like uh, what's happening? Was I hacked? Was maybe the website I just went to hacked? And really strangely, around October, if you were surfing the web from an IP address in East Asia, um, and maybe by some random luck of a flip of a coin, you would be redirected. Um, and then, if you were redirected, they would place a cookie on your machine for the next 24 hours. And then when you visited this infected website, you just kept going there. Get, mm -hmm. Kept getting redirected no matter what. Against your wishes, once yeah. more. It's a good cookie. Mm -hmm. How did we discover this? Um, so the way this happened was uh, around October, uh, we had a few customers reach out to us uh, that they were experiencing sort of weird behavior on their websites. Uh, Must this, have been a really funny email to receive. Hilarious. <laughs> um, no, this was really, really weird and really concerning. Um, and it all happened around the same time. Um, they basically reported that, like you mentioned, people uh, visiting their websites were sort of randomly being redirected to adult websites. At first, we thought this might have been like defacement or something, like someone pulling a prank on these companies. Um, but it seems it's like a prime 16-year-old joke. What? P making people look at like naked ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, 
but like these are big companies and we didn't want them to, you know, yeah. their, their users to, to, to you know. Um, so we started looking at the logs, we started looking into this more deeply. We realized that this was uh, actually like tens of thousands of websites being affected by this. Um, and in all the cases we looked into, the threat actor somehow managed to like log in to an FTP endpoint and modify files. So this wasn't like just classic defacement. This was someone doing something that seemed pretty sophisticated uh, to us. And how do they get these FTP credentials? So that's the thing. We, we don't know. Like to this day, we sort of we tried looking at all sorts of theories about how this might be going down. It's like an unsolved mystery. Yes, it is. We should call Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? Derailed my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> how did they get the FTP <clears throat> credentials? So we thought of all sorts of theories. We thought, you know, maybe this is someone who just happens to be guessing really weak passwords. But everybody we spoke to involved in this told us they were using really strong passwords. We also thought maybe they were spreading malware, like InfoStealer malware, and mm -hmm. like trying to infect web, web developers' uh, laptops uh, and steal their credentials as well, which is something that other threat actors have been known to do. Um, and from there, it sort of starts getting into more like conspiracy theory area. I love a good conspiracy theory. Yeah, especially in cyber. Yeah. Um, you know, it's possible that they did like a supply chain attack mm. on an ISP. Maybe they were like sniffing traffic and stealing people's uh, passwords, you know, over the air. Um, maybe they hacked like a hosting provider or something like that. Which brings a bell of another case. Yeah, there, there was a recently another case uh, with uh, GoDaddy. Yeah, which we can get into. Yes, we can. Um, GoDaddy, which, if you don't know, is probably one of the oldest hosting services, had a also high-profile supply chain attack um, where someone was hacking into the sites and redirecting users to other places. Yep, exactly. Um, which has a little bit of a correlation there. Um, can you share what happened with GoDaddy? Yeah, so GoDaddy um, published on their recent uh, SEC filing uh, that they had been the victim of a multi-year breach mm. by supposedly the same threat actor. Um, and there have been a few things that have been published about this over the years. There have been a few researchers who were looking into this and they like feel really vindicated now that GoDaddy has admitted that they were really hacked, that it wasn't just wasn't someone's just imagination. Yeah, Because yeah. the tendency here is always like to blame uh, either the user, like you mentioned, like maybe I was hacked, mm -hmm. or to blame uh, the website owner, like maybe they were hacked. Um, uh, and in this case, GoDaddy were hacked and someone was basically doing a supply chain attack on their network um, to make people visiting their customers' websites be redirected to other places. Because once you have access to a hosting provider, you have access to their passwords. You can reset their passwords. You have access to their content in some cases. You mm -hmm. can just modify pages as you want. And you also have access to their proxy servers. So you know this could be completely invisible to the customer. Like just someone you know, visits a website, and they're suddenly redirected, and nobody would know that this happened. Super spreader. Yeah, it's like a super spreader event. Yes, yes. in hosting. Um, so it's kind of trending. We can do hashtag, um, hashtag, uh, what's the hashtag? Uh, supply chain attack? <laughs> hashtag supply That's chain attack. It's pretty generic, but yeah. OK. But um, it's an <coughs> up and coming trend of these kind of, this flavor of attacks. Yeah, like hosting providers are definitely a very valuable target for hackers um, because it's like putting all your eggs in one basket mm -hmm. for the attacker, like, because they can use their access to one hosting provider uh, to divert traffic uh, through all of their customers' websites. 
So what can you do to avoid this? What are our takeaways from redirection roulette? So since we don't know exactly how this happened, unfortunately we can't give any very good advice mm -hmm. um, until this mystery is solved. We can basically point to best practices. We can say, you know, do whatever you can to stay safe out there. Make sure you're using FT FTPS and not reg regular old FTP, mm -hmm. which is encrypted. Um, make sure that you're using strong passwords. It might be worthwhile if you haven't rotated your passwords in a while to rotate them. And then cross your fingers that you just don't get redirected. That's to always a good advice in website. cyber. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think you've been impacted by this, you know, you can go on our on our website. We put out a report on this with a bunch of indicators of compromise. We'll have the post also yeah. in the in the body. De yeah. description. Um, and you can check if you've uh, if you think you might be impacted. Then you should you know uh, redeploy your server. Um, look for clean version of your source code and you know start anew, essentially. Wonderful. And now for our second story, something you can definitely um, tread cautiously around is the AWS cred phishing um, situation where someone has been buying Google Ads for phishing landing sites and then they steal AWS credentials. Yeah. And um, we can get into this, but like the first question is, who clicks on Google Ads? So I am, I, I don't know, ashamed to admit that I, I, I have occasionally on occasion, click yeah. the Google ad. Mm. Um, I know. I know that Let people do. Let me reconsider what I think about you. You should <laughs> every day, um, especially after this podcast, um, where I'll be revealing things that I'm ashamed of about myself. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm guessing like people are clicking this stuff because Google makes most of their money off ads. So surprise, I'm guessing. Surprise! I mean, they probably know what they're talking about, yeah. right? They probably price them accordingly. Um, and you know, like think about like your eighty-year-old grandma, right? Um, Who's going <laughs> on AWS and definitely just like creating a yeah, like a, a, a website for her uh, a senior D and D group in her <laughs> retirement home, right? Um, so she, you know, she looks for I want to go to the AWS console. I want to, yeah. you know, set up a website. And the, the first thing that she sees, literally the first thing she sees on Google when she searches for this is, you know, it could be a malicious ad. Yes. And so this specific campaign is a part of a larger phenomena that we're seeing of the red actors using Google Ads as an attack vector, yeah. um, which is, uh, yeah, it's up and coming. This is a new thing. Yeah, so this is what's called uh, malvertising. This is the word of the day, everybody, malvertising. Mm -hmm. Can we get a definition? And the number of syllables. I'm imagining like, um, like you know, a, mu a Muppet on Sesame Street saying like, this show is sponsored by the letter M. <laughs> malvertising. So what, can you define malvertising? Yeah, so malvertising is a pretty broad term, but basically it means uh, abusing ads, like internet ads, like Google ads, mm -hmm. uh, to either infect people with malware or get them to go to phishing websites. You basically just like buy an ad, um, get it to target the people you want to infect with malware, for instance, and then that's displayed on websites that use Google ad or on Google's own homepage when you search for stuff. Got it. Okay, so in this uh, case of malvertising, do we know what these specific threat actors were after? So in this case, we only know how they were doing what they were doing and what they were doing on a technical level. Okay. Um, Sentinel-1 and Permiso both released reports about this stuff. They didn't really um, manage to sort of solve the mystery of what this threat actor is actually doing with the credentials that they're mm -hmm. stealing. So if you're a user who has been impacted by this, your experience would basically be you search for AWS console, 
you get an ad, you click the ad, you go to a website that looks like AWS's websites, um, you input your username and password, you click OK, and then nothing happens, right? And what happened behind the scenes is that your username and password were being sent to this malicious actor. But we don't know what they've actually been doing with these creds. But, and are there any other like IOCs, indications of compromise? So unfortunately, not as of yet. Like eventually, if someone figures out what this threat actor is doing, mm -hmm. or they catch them in the act, like by by using the, some Busted. of the credentials, exactly some of the credentials they 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 stole, then you know, like if this was a Scooby Doo episode, then we could like take off their mask, uh, and we would see who they are, <clears throat> and then we could like sort of see what their calling card is. Yeah. Like, are they using a specific account to do to 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 enumerate their credentials on? Um, are they setting up? like you know from a certain running containers that are, are mining for crypto uh, currency maybe they're using a specific image then that image would have a certain id so we need to have more details to give indicators of compromise for this got it um but in the meantime what should you do to be avoiding being a target of this malvertising so i think the solution is, is pretty simple to be honest like if you are a regular user of uh aws console in particular mm -hmm. just use a bookmark Right? Like that sounds Just like use a bookmark and also organize your bookmarks because nobody likes a messy bookmark. Bar. Yeah, and always like for every tab you open, close two tabs. Don't leave. Oh my all god, your tabs don't be open. that person that has like a hundred open and it's not like you're using. Yeah, all or at of least them. use groups or something. Oh right? no, I don't like groups. Oh okay. But yeah. Okay, so moral of the story: use bookmarks. Be careful what you click, um, and use guardrails like MFA. Yeah. So even if they do steal your credentials, exactly, yeah. they can only get so far. Yeah. Cool. Um, and now, and, and obviously, like it's on Google here to to get better at you know preventing these threat actors from abusing this as attack vector in the first place, right? Yep. Okay. It's a big moment. It's our time for the first CV of the pod. Dun dun dun. It is a story with Clam AV. Um. Should we, do you want to give us a little wrap, Amitai, of the CVE number? <laughs> <laughs> do it, a little, just a little, little sketch. I, I will let you do it. Okay. Or we can go back and forth. Let's each say a letter. CVE 2023 233. <laughs> That'll catch on. Yeah, for sure. Um, what happened with ClamAV? So ClamAV or Clam Antivirus um, is a really popular uh, free antivirus. It's sort of like a base level antivirus that's deployed on a bunch of different servers. It comes packaged with a lot of different software because it's free. Um, <clears throat> so free, they, it's always the honey trap. Yeah. Free. Well, I mean, I mean that that is like a repeating theme, yeah. but it makes sense, right? Because free stuff is popular. Popular means that it's uh, more cost efficient for mm -hmm. uh, security researchers and hackers to look for stuff going wrong there, right? Because like you wouldn't want to invest in looking for a vulnerability in something that was only used by like one person in the world, right? Unless you really unless want you really that. want that yeah, one person, exactly. yeah. Um, so this was basically a vulnerability in the file system scanning component of mm -hmm. ClamAV, um, which would mean that if you get <clears throat> the antivirus program to scan a specially crafted file, then the machine is infected. Which effectively means that the attacker would just need to add a file attachment to an email to everyone at attack. Yeah. And then if the scanning is running on their end, um, the effect is instantaneous. That's yeah. it. You're susceptible. Exactly. Fun. <laughs> Yay! Um, so, ClamAV is super common, mm -hmm. um, which means if you have it, which is quite possible, there's a fix out there. 
Yeah, there is a fix, uh, there is a patch. Um, our data shows about 30% of cloud environments have this installed, so it's very common, like you said. Um, the fix in this case would be to patch, um, and you should be prioritizing um, areas where you're using it to scan stuff that you don't control. So like if you have this installed on your laptop, mm -hmm. it's less of a concern because you control what you download, right? But if you have it installed on a mail server, and like you said, like anybody can send you an email, right? Um, so that's where you should be prioritizing your patching efforts here. Cool. Do it. Make it happen, if you can. Um, for our fourth story today, our friends in the gaming world have been targeted. Yes, they have. Oh, do you play Minecraft or uh, Dota 2? So I play a bit of Minecraft with my little brother, occasionally. It's a nice bonding. Mm -hmm. um, and I have played Dota 1 in high school. He's um, an OG, you guys. Yeah. And I sucked, which is why I stopped playing. All right. Um, both of them had incidents. Yes, they did. So what happened with Minecraft Online? It was Minecraft Online, to be specific. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. Minecraft-like. It was the one of the most impressive cases of cheating and competitive play I have ever heard of. It was very impressive, yeah. yeah. It's like this person really, really wanted to win. They were very persistent, yeah. yes. What happened? Um, so the way the story is told uh, is that um, Minecraft Online, that's also called MCO, this is a really popular uh, custom Minecraft server. Mm -hmm. Like Minecraft has a bunch of different servers uh, you can log into. This was like a a specially crafted server with a bunch of different features and stuff. Yeah. It was like a big team that developed it. Um, so there was a user named uh, Kaysena, and what they did was they basically did like a sting operation for themselves, <laughs> where uh, they managed to infiltrate the dev team of MCO over a period of months, like building their trust, you know, getting sort of getting friendly with the devs uh, to get to the point where they sort of let them uh, commit code into their into their repository. Um, and you know everything looked fine and dandy until one day they decided Kaysena to insert... started winning every yeah. single. <laughs> <laughs> they like inserted a backdoor. Yeah. This was what this is what was discovered in the investigation, and this basically let them like get free money in the game or something like this, right? Kaysena is a real sore loser mm -hmm. or a sore winner. Whichever. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, but this is definitely an unavoidable like human risk factor of software development. Exactly. Like. Any place where you're using people to write code or using people to uh, to review code is mm -hmm. susceptible to some sort of supply chain risk, right? It's unavoidable. Yeah. Everybody is susceptible to this. Uh, you have to learn to manage the Everyone's risk. Everyone's also susceptible to really competitive sore losers. That is also true. Yeah. Yes. So like the best way to avoid this, uh, you know, is uh, to have a very robust uh, code review system so that you have people who are sort of double-checking stuff, mm -hmm. not just for vulnerabilities, just for like bugs in general, yeah. right? Um, whether those vulnerabilities are, you know, put there on purpose or by accident, you know, that could also happen, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the best solution here in general, as in life, uh, is to trust but verify. And if you can't trust... Then you, you should, should go to therapy. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Get a psychologist. Um, so trust people, verify their contributions, and... Um, then Dota. Right. What happened to Dota? Which, by the way, let's take a step back. What does Dota stand for? So Dota stands for Defense of the Ancients. Which is a really great ironic situation because they did not defend. Yeah, that's like Alanis Morissette levels of ironic. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay, so Dota 2, what happened? Um, so similarly to Minecraft, mm -hmm. which lets you set up like custom servers, so Dota 2 has like custom game modes where okay. anybody can basically upload like here's a game mode that if I... If you thought he was a threat research lead, he's actually just a Dota expert. A gamer in disguise, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. On my Continue. spare time, I also do cyber. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Dota 2 has like custom game modes mm -hmm. um, where people can like develop their own like specialized version of whatever you want to play uh, within Dota 2. It could be like football using Dota 2 characters or whatever. Okay. Um, so Sounds fun. Incredibly. Yeah. This is what I did in my high school formative years. Um, so our friends at uh, Avast, uh, who are a, uh, an antivirus company, they found that Dota 2 was using a very old version of the V8 engine. Um, Just how old? Like five years. Mm. Very old. Very in, old. In, 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 in like software terms, that's like Ancient. retirement age. Oh, wow. Yes. Mm. Um, so they found that there were threat actors that noticed that um, Dota 2 was really using this really old version of the software. Um, which had a vulnerability. So they basically realized that they could make custom game modes with specialized files in them mm -hmm. that abuse this vulnerability uh, in the engine. So they uploaded this, and anybody who downloaded and ran uh, this game mode would be inf infected by their malware. Interesting. So dependencies are still a weak point in these softwares. They always will be, yeah. Always will be. Um, which means the takeaway is Definitely patch more frequently than every five years. Yeah. yeah. Like we're not saying patch every day, but... More frequently than every five years is mm -hmm. probably advisable. Um, and make more games other than Dota 1 and Dota 2. Yeah, and play more games. Yeah. And for our last story, we have the U.S. Department of Defense misconfig. Mm -hmm. What came out? What was released into the world? So there was a security researcher who found out that um, the DOD was exposing about three terabytes of emails some of them related to U.S. Special Forces, including uh, background check forms. So I'm going to nerd out for a second on uh, U.S. Gov, but these include the SF-86 questionnaire, which is filled out by a bunch of like federal employees who want really high security clearance, mm -hmm. um, which has a bunch of like secret information before they can go and handle very classified information. So pretty much, like theoretically, current or potential former spies, mm -hmm. also non-spies, but people like of that level could have background checks that were there yeah. that are now just swimming out and about. They might be. Like, they might be. We don't we know. We don't know if anybody actually caught onto this before the security researcher did. Yeah. Like they were, they found this, they reported it, it was closed. Um, but I think it was open for a few weeks. So it's possible that someone might have, you know, realized this before the security researcher, maybe even bad guys. Eek. Um, how can such a thing even take place? How can all those get out there? So in this case, as far as we know, this was a really simple thing. This was an email server that was just misconfigured to not use a password. Mm. I wonder how you could, uh, do you know any ways to check for misconfigurations in the cloud? I do not know any ways. Never heard any of any ways yeah. to do that, no. Never heard of any companies that do no. that. It would be a really great invention. We should make a startup that yeah, does that. Yeah, that does that exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so check for misconfigurations, especially as you're building. Yeah, it's, ideally this should be stuff that is checked before you deploy. Yeah. Like you should be um, scanning your configurations. There are, you know, jokes aside, lots of tools that do this, um, especially like even free stuff that you can download online that does this for you. 
Um, and be cautious of like sensitive data on servers. Yeah, like if you're, let's just say that it's not the end of the day. Sorry, the end of the day. It's not the end of the it world. It might be the end of the day today. <laughs> For us, it's the end of the day. <laughs> um, it might, it's not the end of the world, you know, if you don't invest 100% uh, of your time on making things secure mm -hmm. in the cloud. You have to prioritize. Uh, you can't be top of your game all the time. But if you're putting really, really sensitive stuff on the internet, um, then you need to invest time to make sure that you're double checking your configuration. And now, if you stop paying attention, we have gone through our five stories of the day, and we're going to do a little recap of everything we covered and what your takeaway should be. Um, so it'd be a really nifty time to tune in again. Um, what were our five stories in a quick summary, Amitai? So we had uh, suspicious threat actors redirecting people to random websites in East Asia. Which means use FTPS and check that you have strong passwords, mm -hmm. the very minimum, until we get to the bottom of the mystery. Yeah, and if you want to help us reach the bottom of the mystery, then you can reach out and you know share And send conspiracy theories. Exactly, we love those. <laughs> Second story. We have hackers buying uh, fake Google ads uh, to steal AWS credentials. So use a bookmark, and Google should invest more in blocking this type of things in the first place, and you should be cautious on what you're clicking on. Yeah, Google is the only are the only ones that can that can solve this problem. Yeah. Yep. Third story. Um, we have ClamAV bugging out. Yep. So make sure you patch ClamAV on servers where it's used to scan stuff that can come from anywhere. Exactly. And, um, and we have our friends in the gaming world uh, being attacked by um, malicious threat actors. So make sure to trust, but verify, and update your dependencies. More than every five years, yeah. yes. Cool. And lastly, we have uh, background check forms from the US Department of Defense that were at risk of being leaked. So check your cloud configuration rules before you deploy. Yep. And use tools consistently that double check that your configurations are remaining secure. Mm -hmm. Um, all right, that's all for this episode of Crying Out Cloud, presented by the cloud security company, Wiz. If you enjoyed the show, which we hope you do, be sure to subscribe, rate us, five stars. And uh, remember, unlike your IAM policies, more stars are better. And remember, <laughs> if your cloud security strategy is making you cry, don't worry, just cry out cloud. <laughs> that was corny.